As I said before, we're in a series, um, a topical series. I don't normally preach this way, but I thought we'd do it anyway. Um, on three different areas that I think as human beings we, we think about sometimes. So today is the topic of meaning and purpose. And next week is satisfaction in just the day to day. And the third week is hope. And today we're in, yes, in the first one. So meaning and purpose. Let me pray for us as we begin. Oh Lord, help us to, um, to see Christ today. Help us to think about ourselves in relation to you. Lord, please be with us. Please be speaking to us by your word and help us to see Jesus. Amen. So what's the point what is the point? That's the question I asked myself when I was vacuuming the lounge room just as a horde of 20 people turned up and walked mud through the house. That's, what's the point of carefully wrapping the Christmas presents with fine detail and ribbons when they're just ripped to bits anyway? What's the point? Maybe kids, what's the point of putting your shoes on the shoe shelf when five minutes later you know you're going outside? What's the point? Maybe because your parents asked you to. What's the point? And so over the next few weeks, we're in this little series called Life with Jesus, and we're going to see the difference Jesus makes to our lives. And today is the topic of purpose. Is there a bigger meaning to life? How do we figure out what the point of life is? Um, Emily F. Harney Smith, a psychologist and author, gave a TED Talk a couple of years ago. In that TED Talk, Smith says she used to think that the purpose of life was the pursuit of happiness. A while ago, everyone thought the path to happiness was success. So she, so she searched for that ideal job, uh, that beautiful, perfect boyfriend, the, the apartment. Uh, but instead of feeling fulfilled, she says she felt anxious and adrift. Smith points out in that TED talk that the data shows that chasing happiness can make people unhappy. There is an emptiness that gnaws away at people and sooner or later we all begin to wonder, is this all there is? And she realised, Smith realised, that the reason that we sense this despair sometimes isn't we have a lack of happiness, it's that we have a lack of meaning. Sammy Jay, the Australian comedian, was asked in a video last year, what is the meaning of life? And he says, and I quote, the meaning of life, I've got no idea. Maybe there isn't one, but that doesn't mean your life can't have meaning. In fact, actual science says that people believe their life has meaning or purpose are more likely to experience positive emotions, such as love, contentment and compassion. Now, another comedian, maybe for an older generation, Stephen Fry, says meaning isn't something out there to be discovered. It's something that we create with our own lives. Although the universe, he says, was not created for us, we're all connected to something bigger than ourselves, whether it's family or community, an idea or cause, traditions from the past or the natural world. There's not one big meaning of life, he says, but many different meanings of life. The way, he says, to find meaning in life is just to get on and live life as fully and as well as we can. In other words, what these people are saying, they're really saying the same thing, is yes, you can find meaning in being a good parent 
or caring for someone or making a difference. But the thing is you need to go out and create that meaning. You need to create your own meaning. Do, do life, live well, do good, make the world a better place. And that's the secular story of today. But I want to suggest we can't escape the bigger question. We can't escape the bigger question. Is there actually a point to it all? Is there a point to life? Studies show that um, people think about this. Uh, one study says that nearly three quarters of people say that they, often, they think about it often or sometimes. And this is a global study. People think about this question. Is there a meaning? Is there a point to life? And so that's what we're going to do today. We're just going to look at a few parts of the Bible to see what God says about the topic. Christianity says that, yes, you can find meaning in all sorts of ways, maybe in your work, uh, helping out your grandkids, creating a beautiful garden. But in the end, this is only, only makes sense in relation to God in the end. It makes sense in relation to God. In the Bible, God tells us the point of life. He tells us why he made us. He tells us that the point of life is to live for his glory in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. God made us to live for him in every way, in every part of life. And the good news is that Jesus did this so that in him we can and get to give God glory as well. So what is the point? Uh, for many, it's in the day-to-day, -day, whether providing for your children, um, involved, being involved in a charity work, just making a difference. And while these are all good, they provide meaning for us, there is the deeper question that we ask, what are we here for? And so Philippians, that's, let's go there for a while. Philippians chapter 1. We see here in this passage that Lisa just read out, the Apostle Paul, he's writing, where is he writing from? He's writing from prison. He's, being, he's locked up because he's been preaching about Jesus. And, also, and so in verse 20, focusing on verse 20, little number 20, we see Paul getting at that big question. Hello, Flora. He says, verse 20, and I'll read that out. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. You see, Paul's in this dire situation here. He's locked up. He's in chains. He doesn't know what's going to happen around the corner. His, his situation is unknown. He doesn't know whether he'll live or whether he'll die. That's his pressing uh, situation. But he still has this underlying motive and foundation. What is it? Have a look there at verse 20 again that Christ will be exalted in his body, whether by life or by death. You see, whatever happens to Paul, whether good or bad, Paul wants to see Jesus magnified. Paul's supreme motivation here is to lift up Christ, to honour Christ, to see Christ exalted, in his life, in his body, whether by life or death. Paul knows what God has done for him in Christ. Paul has been saved by Jesus from, his, from the guilt and penalty of his sin. 
He has eternal life, a life beyond death. Even suffering cannot take this life away. And so this orients Paul toward Christ. Christ is the point of his life. You see, across the scriptures, across the whole Bible, we find that God has created us human beings with his underlying meaning to our lives. It is, in the words of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, as a true Presbyterian would quote, it is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That was a joke, by the way. That is our chief purpose. It is. It's a great summary. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's our greatest end. It's not our only end, but it is our greatest end as human beings. Our purpose. It's why God made us. Isaiah 43 verse 6 shows us this. And it says, I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who's called by my name. And listen in whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. You know, God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need people. He's God. He, he doesn't need anyone else. And yet, God made us. He made us to know him, to have a relationship with him. As that verse just says, Isaiah 43 says, God created us, why? For his glory. 1 Chronicles 16, 26 calls us to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. We as people, we're to magnify, honour, lift up God. That's what it means to glorify, lift up God, God in all things because it's his due, because he is God. Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says, for from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever 1 peter 4 11 says whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of god whoever serves as one who serves by the strength god provides in order that in everything god may be glorified through jesus christ 1 corinthians 10 verse 31 sums it up well and it says so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do that covers a lot of things right whatever you do do all to the glory of God. That's why God made us. That in everything we might do it for God's glory. And yet if you know the story of the Bible and the story of the human heart, you know humanity is not fit for purpose. Instead of living the reason God made us, we, people don't recognise God as God, the God who made them for his glory. Our hearts in when we're in rebellion against God, by nature we turn inwards. We seek glory for ourselves. We glorify other things rather than the Creator. So, for example, you might find people might find their purpose in life is to belong to, to a family or to a group of friends. That might be their purpose. You might find meaning in a cause, say, saving the Tarkine. You might find your purpose in life in making a difference in your work. And while these things are are wonderful and often very meaningful, I want to say there is a problem that arises here. To find our complete satisfaction in these things, for starters, is a flimsy way of living. For instance, what happens when suffering comes along, as it did for Paul, and what happens if suffering takes away a relationship, for instance? Or, 
the cause that you've committed your life to, what happens if it doesn't actually change anything? What happens in your job if you work hard and you've committed yourself to this job, what happens when you retire? What happens if your skill set becomes obsolete and you're replaced by a computer? Finding purpose and meaning in things, it's good, right? We, we do this. We find meaning, I find meaning in my work and raising children. Don't hear me say that's wrong. But if that's where we find our ultimate meaning and God isn't in the picture, then it's flimsy. It's like the game of Jenga. You know you build a tower. Jenga, you know the game? Yeah, yeah. What happens when you pull out pieces? What happens? Kids? What happens? You played Jenga before? Yeah. The tower falls down. When we make meaning in our life, that's what it is. It's good, it's right. But it's not the foundation, is it? It can't be the foundation. It's not deep or strong enough to be the foundation for life. But more importantly, if you, all you live for is the meaning that you make, there is a deeper problem. The Bible has a word for this. It's called idolatry. Idolatry is to pursue satisfaction, to find your complete satisfaction in something, people, places, objects, whatever, rather than in, in God. And we're all guilty of it. Romans chapter 1 diagnoses the human heart. It says, For though, although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave, gave thanks to Him, but in their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Or as it says later in Romans, all fall short of the glory of God. This is the world which God in great love sent Jesus to people like this. The glory of God, the invisible God, was made visible. You see the glory of God in the flesh. And just like you can't look at the sun without being blinded, and you see the light shining all around, reflected off things, in a similar way, Jesus is the way we see and behold the glory of God. And in turn, in Jesus, we can glorify God ourselves. Jesus, he came into a world of glory seekers. People turned in on themselves, people who did not give God glory, as Romans says. And Jesus came and lived that God-perfect, God-glorifying life, accomplishing everything that Jesus was given to do. In all seasons, he lived that perfect life for his Father's glory by the power of the Spirit. So if you're a Christian, then Christ has paid the penalty of your sins in his death. He makes you alive. He's given us his life, new life. Not because of what we've done, but because of him. This is the wonderful truth. Christ restores us so that we can live according to the original design. He restores us to our original purpose. As Jesus glorified his Father by the power of the Spirit, so now the Holy Spirit given to us enables us to live for God and his glory. This is so significant for each one of us. This is what our lives are at a foundation level to be all about. We don't have to earn our salvation. We don't have to prove ourselves. We don't have to think we can glorify God on our own. It's all about Christ and what God has done for us 
We've got new birth and new life and a spirit to live for God and his glory. The purpose in life, our purpose in life is to seek God and do his will. To discover what God says that we're to do and say and think in his word and carry it out in our lives. That's what it means to glorify God, to live according to God's glory and our, our purpose. If God is the foundation of our lives, then whatever you do, it's infused with that meaning. It's infused with purpose. If God's glory is the bedrock of what we are, as, uh, what we're all about as Christians, then we find that every part of life actually has meaning. To swing back to where we were a few minutes ago, where we started with the Apostle Paul, we can find that our purpose in life is to make Christ look magnificent in whatever situation, even in times of suffering. We need to have this foundation in place before we think about what it actually practically looks like, the figuring out the details. We need to see the primary calling of each of us as human beings, our core purpose. There is this story of, um, oh, you've probably heard it in sermons before, but I'm going to use it anyway. Um, the story of Eric Little, the missionary Olympian, uh, Chariots of Fire movie. When Eric was preparing for the Olympics, his sister was concerned that um, he was forgetting God's call in his life uh, to be a missionary. Um, and Eric told her that he'd still be going to China, but that he was going to take a break and prepare for the, the upcoming race. And Eric says, and it's a wonderful quote, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel his pleasure, his rights. When we live for God's glory in whatever we do, following Jesus, living for him, then whatever we do, we, we, God smiles. He's, we feel his pleasure. So let's um, get to some practical sorts of things. What does it mean to glorify God in a practical kind of way? I mean, if I want to glorify God, then how do I do it um, in my life? So this is what we're going to look, in gospel, look at in gospel training a bit later as well. But for starters, I want to outline a few ways. We're to glorify God in, I've got four things, admiring God, worshipping God, loving God, serving God. One, we're to glorify God by admiring him. A friend uh, posted a photo on Facebook this week of him and Marnus Labashain, the Australian batsman. And he's playing in Hobart this week. My friend works as a barista um, and Marnus was there at the cafe for a coffee. Now, there are many people who play cricket, aren't there? But you don't take selfies with the number four of the Hadsman Chieftains. You don't bowl up to them and take a selfie with them because you only you know, take selfies with the, the number four batsman of the Australian team. Is he number four? I don't know. Because he's the best, arguably the best batsman in the world at the moment. You take a selfie with them because you admire them. You esteem them. In a similar way, we're to, we're to hold God in great esteem. We're to admire God. We're to think... Kids, we're to think he's amazing. Do you think God's amazing? He's awesome. You know, the Psalms do this all the time. If you read through the Psalms, 
Um, Psalm 97, for instance, says, For you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You know, the psalm admires God for who he is. We are to admire him. Think of his power, his wisdom, his grace. Admire God's promises to us. We're to admire that God is the creator of this world and that he's in charge of our day-to-day lives. Because God is truly admirable, isn't he? And when we hold him in our minds, in our hearts, in highest esteem, when we think of God like this, this is glorifying God. This is giving God glory. So, second point, we glorify God when we worship God. Psalm 24 Verse 2 says, Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. You know, how much reverence does God deserve? How much respect is due to God? How much should we honour God? Um, Good to think on those things. You know, we might honour someone significant, um, maybe like a prince or a president, But God is due far more. He's due all glory and worship because he's God. The king, king over all. So we need to take his worship seriously. It's not a thing we do lightly. We come together here on a Sunday as a time of worship. Sunday is not primarily about us. And although it is about us as well, God speaks to us and encourages us and we encourage each other. But a worship service is a worship service to God. We're worshipping God. And we come as Jesus' people to give him glory. Three, we glorify God when we love God. What does Jesus say? What's the great commandment? To love God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and with all your strength. Now we We glorify God when we love God. When our hearts are are loving him. We glorify God when we love him above everything else. We glorify God when we love God through thanking him for the things he gives us. We glorify God by um, loving him, by believing in Christ. We glorify God by loving him in confession of our sins, which shows just how gracious God is in forgiving us. We glorify God when we thank Him for the gifts He gives us. We love God because of the gifts He gives us. You know, we can pray and thank God for safe travels on our road journeys, for the protection. We thank God for the blessings. But do we love God because of the things He gives us? Do we love the God who gives good gifts? The Bible, we see, our story as Christians, the story of this world is a love story. It's the story of a marriage, the love of Christ for his church. How much does Christ love his bride? As Ephesians says, he lays down his life for her. And so, do we love Christ in return? The God has given us so much. Does he have our, our affections? This glorifies God when we love God. We also glorify God, lastly, when we serve God. We glorify God by serving Him. When we pour out our lives in service, we 
we can serve God in so many different ways. There's a myriad of ways we can serve God. We can serve God with our minds. You know, you might glorify God by studying for a test at school. You can do it for God's glory by thanking God for the maths test and this gift of maths. You know, just as we can serve God by thinking on Him, by studying His Word, ready to learn about Him, we can serve God by the way we speak. Uh, We can remember to say thank you. That's a good thing to do. We can serve God by speaking about him to others, which is witnessing about the good news of Jesus. We can serve God by caring for others. You know, perhaps checking in with how a person's going, maybe during a time of sickness or a a big thing that's happening in their life. And then we can serve God by trying to meet prayerfully that need, if, if it's appropriate. Our lives are to be for his service. We'll look at this next week in the sermon, actually. We glorify God by serving God. So what's the point of life? Is there a bigger meaning, a bigger story, a bigger purpose to it all? While many people lead meaningful lives, there's so much more on offer in the Scriptures. God shows us this. There is a greater meaning and a foundation that is found in God himself. In Jesus, we are realigned by him for what God to back to what God has made us for. As one author puts it, we are to glorify the Father who gave us life, God the Son who gave his life for us, and God the Spirit who produces new life in us. This is the bedrock of what our lives are for. In Jesus we can admire God just for who he is. In Jesus we can worship God the way he wants us to. In Jesus we can love the Lord with our heart, soul, mind and strength. In Jesus, we can serve him in every situation, whether at work, rest or play. Day by day, moment by moment, with his help and grace, we can glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's great, isn't it? That's really good. So let's Paul's desire in, in Philippians here be our own. That Christ will be exalted in our bodies, whether by life or death.